I hope you enjoyed your, uh, your week, uh, time with family, hopefully, or at least you eat, ate well, right? Uh, it, it is good to see uh, some, some faces we haven't seen for a while. Juliet, it's good to see you here amongst family, right? Always family. Uh, and how's Texas? Great. Is it windy? No. <laughs> it's windy in Kansas. I, I also appreciate uh, Eric, and, and I, I, I gotta, I'll just, just kind of lay this out. You know, one of the, the worships I always enjoy looking forward to is I call it Eric Unplugged. You know, I love our team. I love uh, piano and everything else. But, but I'm a calm kind of guy and uh, on the service. And I love the song he shared with us this morning. I encourage Eric to lead us. way he knows something new, teach me a new song, Eric. I, I love that. So give him encouragement in that and, and support him and, and what he does. Uh, his heart's laid out when he leads us, and, and I appreciate that very much about my brother, Eric. Um, we're, we're beginning, as, as Eric introduced this morning, a new series. I don't think he shared the title. The, the title of our series is Moments of Truth. Moments of Truth. You know what moments of truth are. Moments of truth are those critical, t- uh, critical times when, uh, of decision-making. You've, you've already made lots of decisions that have kind of directed the course of your life. I mean, deciding to become married changed your life, right? If, you, if you're a married person, you decide to get married, it changes the course of your life. Who you decided to marry also changes the course of your life. Aren't you thankful I married Linda Roberts? There's a few other choices that is a good thing I skipped out on them because it would, oh, wrong direction totally. I think I made a good choice. Um, Choosing to have children changes your life. <laughs> Isn't that right? Absolutely changes your life. Uh, you know, your occupation. You, those of you in military service, you could absolutely say, man, it, it changed my life. It has set a course for my life. Getting out of military changes your life. So there, there, are, there are choices that we make uh, throughout life that, that really impact. But, but no greater choice can we make in this life than that choice of what to do with Jesus? Right? The choice that you make for Jesus changes the course, not only of your life today, but for your eternity. And and we know that. Uh, Our our decision to choose this series, there are several people uh, in the very coming of Jesus, his birth and surrounding that birth, where people were already impacted by their decisions that they made concerning Jesus. The course of their life uh, set according to what they decided to do when Jesus arrived. Uh, the person we want to talk about this morning, if you see the title on this specific sermon, is, is called Rejection. Rejection. And the person we're focusing upon is Herod, King Herod. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 8. We, see, we don't see a whole lot written about Matthew except in Matthew chapter 2. And, and I'm going to read the first eight verses uh, where the wise men come and make this announcement before Herod. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east 
and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. I want you to remember that, that one phrase. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And their response was this, in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet was written, has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. I'm not going to continue reading, but if we follow the story of the wise men, we find out that Herod was actually very deceptive in what he said. His intent was not to worship this newborn king who was to be saved, not no savior, but, but king of the Jews. He, his intent was to do away with the child. His intent was to murder that would-be king, or that king, that actually not would-be king, the one who was born king of the Jews. Uh, I, I want to talk just, just for a moment, let you know a little bit more about Herod. Perhaps that's all you've really known or heard about King Herod. He's also known by historians as being Herod the Great. Now, he ruled for quite a while. 33 years. And in, also in chapter 2, if we were to go ahead and read more of the account, I mean the account of, of him sending a unit to go to Bethlehem to kill all the young boys in, in Bethlehem. We also know that Joseph managed to save Jesus by going to Egypt as, as indicated by an angel. Hey, take Jesus and, and escape, basically. And there he lived in Egypt until Herod's death. That's also in, in chapter 2. So we know that about at the age of four, Jesus, when Jesus was about four years old, Herod died. Then they were able to return back to that area and, and moved to their hometown, which was, was originally Nazareth, where Jesus was raised. So the end of Herod's rule was about four, uh, 4 AD, after Christ's birth. Uh, and for 33 years, Herod reigned. Let me talk to you just a little bit, just briefly. An outline of his rule is at, laid out by a lot of historians. Uh, and it goes something like this. A lot of turmoil in the beginning of his rule. There was a, a calming period of time in, in between. And then a lot of turmoil at the end of his rule. Let me, let me tell you, the beginning of his rule, even before he ruled, was a lot of turmoil because uh, his Her uh, Herod's life was actually in danger and he ran to Rome where he, he built up a, a, a positive uh, uh, ally through Rome, got, actually got Rome's favor to where he went back with, with military and established his throne uh, through some... Uh, through overthrowing the, 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 the eastern king that had established himself. Uh, 
Herod had his beginning over turmoil. And even at the beginning, there was turmoil. And there was a reason for that. Because the Jews didn't like Herod. A couple strikes against him. One, he, he was not a, 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 a true blue Jew. He was a part Jew. His father was Idumean. He was from another, uh, another race. And so Herod had that strike again. You know those Jews. They wanted to be around Jews and Jews only. That, that was God's people, okay? Herod was not a God's people because of just, and we're not talking about his, the decisions he was making. We're talking about the fact that he was a half Jew. Wasn't a complete godly person in, in their eyes. Another strike against him was he was from Rome. <laughs> he had the support of Rome. Yeah, and, and he loved Rome. He favored Rome himself as well as had Rome's favor upon him. Therefore, uh, uh, Rome was that occupying uh, kingdom over, over them as Jews. So the Jews were kind of uh, very much contrary to Herod. And so in, in the early part of his rule, guess how Herod dealt with people? Well, if you favored or you know, worked with Herod, he would work with you. And, and there would be, you know, Herod's favor was a good thing. If you were trouble for Herod, there was trouble for you from Herod. And so after a while, people learned to live under Herod's rule. We especially see that later on in Jesus, you know, how, how he dealt with people, how, how even uh, the, the Sadducee or the Sanhedrin cooperated with the rule. They didn't like it. I want to say, hey, they didn't like it, but they learned to live under it. So there was a calming effect that Herod, I think, was an advantage. During that time that was calming, Herod was known to, to, to build a lot of buildings. A lot of it structurally was military, military outposts. Uh, there were towers uh, throughout the land, uh, military strongholds. There's a port city that, that Herod built. This was a real benefit uh, for Rome in Herod's rule in this Palestine, Judea, Jerusalem area uh, that he ruled on, on Rome's behalf. But, but he also built some things that were very Roman influenced, you know, some entertainment kind of things, sports things. I think one was called a hippodrome. Uh, but there was also, he focused upon building the temple, rebuilding the temple, Herod's temple, uh, which I think in some ways built him some favor amongst those Jews to rebuild the temple. The temple was always significant to the Jewish people. Now, I said there was a turbulent, turbulent beginning, a pretty good middle, but the end was turbulent as well. And that wasn't from other kingdoms. The turbulence that, that Herod faced in, in that third part that they recognized of his rule was domestic problems, family. And, and maybe you could tell when I tell you that, first of all, he had ten wives. Herod had ten wives who, who produced several sons. He also had a sister who had a son, and they all had their eyes upon the throne. Now, Herod was a little paranoid. <laughs> Herod was a little paranoid. And matter of fact, throughout history, we know that he had at least one of his wives. Uh, Miriam I, I think, was, was killed by her, had her killed. Also had two of his sons, favored sons at one time, killed, had them accused of, of uh, treachery, of... of uh, uh, you know, going behind his back uh, and, and was, that had both those sons executed for that reason. 
Matter of fact, it was, it's believed that Caesar Augustus coined the phrase, uh, you know, I would rather be Herod's hog than Herod's son. You know, it, it would make sense. I, I don't want to be, you see, this is the time that, that three wise men, or I, not, we don't know, wise men from the east came. I shouldn't say three wise men. We don't know how many. There's a time when wise men came to his court asking, hey, where is the son who is to be born, the Messiah, the king of the Jews? You know, we've, we followed his star. And, and in some ways, I think this was news to, to Herod. But, but as we see in that verse, the one I ask you to pay attention to, that he wasn't so excited about this news. Matter of fact, uh, it, it, it disturbed Herod and all Israel with him. It disturbed all Jerusalem with him. It disturbed him. It caused him grief to hear that the king of the Jews was born. Now, I'm going to stop right there. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But this was the same direction that a lot of people take today. This is the same route that a lot of people take when they understand the truth about Jesus or they're told the truth about Jesus. There, there is an immediate uh, uh, sense of rejecting him, get rid of him. And, and a lot of people do that today. A lot of people have done that throughout history of immediately rejecting Jesus. And I believe it's for this reason. This is what we're going to look at, that, that the truth that many people feel threatened by Jesus. A lot of people feel threatened by Jesus. We came to worship Jesus, but there are people today who just feel absolutely threatened by Jesus. So first of all, I want to talk to you about that. You know, why is it people feel threatened by Jesus? First of all, it's because Jesus shines light on darkness. Jesus shines light on my darkness. He came into this world as John uh, put it, he, he, he brought light in this world, meaning he brought truth into this world. He came as God's Messiah. He was a necessary, uh, uh, necessary element that we needed in this world, a Messiah, a Savior, because God is holy and humanity, here's what we have to admit, that we are not holy, that we're sinful, we're broken. Now, King Herod had to identify, oh, let's see, a Messiah to be born. We don't know whether he was expecting or looking for a Messiah, but he had to turn to those, uh, those in his council, the chief priests, teachers of the law, were obviously available to him, and he had to go to them and say, hey, tell us about this Messiah who's supposed to be born. And they went to Micah, and they said, okay, in verse 6, it's all laid out. It's going to be in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and you know, in, in verse, later in the verse it says, Out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Of course, Herod's thinking, I'm ruler. I have the throne. He's already squelched his own sons from taking the throne. And now this, this scripture is laid out before me saying that there is one who is a legitimate king to be born. See, Herod was an illegitimate king. Why? Because the authority by which he took the throne was Rome, another government, actually the governing authorities. He did it legally. He did it by, by all circumstances. 
but it was through Rome that he established his throne. Jesus came into this world born king of kings, king of kings. And, and by God's authority, he was going to establish his throne. And that throne uh, threatened uh, Herod, absolutely. And so Herod made the motion to, to go after the baby, to have him killed. As we, if we were to read further, we'd, we'd be able to read that part of the story. His intent was evil. His intent was never to go and worship Jesus whatsoever. Uh, the, the truth is, the message of Jesus can definitely be a threat to us. Although we see celebration amongst us, he's offered peace on this earth. He offered peace to every individual that's here. That, that's why Jesus came. Uh, and, and what threatens people is truth. The truth. That, that God is holy and we are not. That God is holy and we are sinful. That's the truth. John 3, 19 and 20 says, Light has come into the world, but men loved the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Uh, let, let's, uh, as, as we come this morning, we cannot forget that part of our own lives. That's who we are. We, apart from Christ, I am wicked I am evil, I, I, you know, and I'll be honest with you, there's still wickedness that, that creeps into my mind and tries to direct my life. There's still wickedness that I deal with and, and sometimes sinfulness that, that is brought before my face that I need to repent of. There's a constant battle that, that I'm aware of that wants me to live the life that I used to live. Are you with me? Do you understand that? But, but Jesus came as, as the righteous Messiah on our behalf. And we need a Savior. We need a Savior. He presented us the truth. And the difficult thing that we always have to remember when we come to worship is, is just that fact that we are sinners and He is a holy God. And, G, and God sent Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, now that's, that's really key to, to the frustrating part of Jesus. We come to that crossroads, the deciding factor of Jesus. And why many people take that route to reject him, number one, is because Jesus came to be the truth to the world. And just like darkness hides from the light, many choose just to outright reject him. But in order for us to, to respond correctly to the light, what does it require? And the next two points... Uh, or again, is, is part of that difficult road. The first part of that is to be humble. You know, to accept the truth, it requires us to be humble. To accept the truth is humbling. Point number two. To accept that tr truth of Jesus Christ and the reason he came is, is to be humbled. Uh, for Herod, to truly honor Jesus, for him to... Uh, uh, to do what he said, hey, you go find him, and then I'm going to come and I'm going to worship. Meaning, I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lay, you know, I'm going to bend my knee before Jesus, and I'm going to worship him as well. I'm going to acknowledge him as the rightful king to the throne of the Jews. I'm going to acknowledge that. That would be humbling to Herod, absolutely. Why is it, do you think, that, that all Jerusalem, in that verse, all Jerusalem along, uh, they were disturbed as well? It, well, I, 
in part, I believe it's because Herod, you know, I think they were on pins and needles in that kingdom when Herod was killing his own sons and wives whenever there was some sense of treachery going on around him. Whether, he, whether it was true or not, Herod was going to get rid of you. So I think it was all based upon, we've been following after you, Herod. We're, you know, man, we're, we're, we're not wanting to cross you. We're wanting to do whatever you say. We're going to live under your rule. And so when, when Jared, I mean, when, Jared, when Jared, familiar guy in my family. Anyway, uh, when Herod uh, uh, came along and, and uh, all, all of a sudden he was disturbed, man, nobody was happy. I, I, there's a phrase, when mama's, when mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I'm familiar with that. You know, it, it just kind of rings true in the family. If Herod wasn't happy, ain't nobody happy in the kingdom. And I think that's the response we see in that verse, why the rest of Jerusalem was also disturbed. We are to be humble. And I think this is an important message for us to especially reflect on today. Man, there's no one here that's taking that path of Herod and absolutely rejecting Jesus. But it is possible for us to lose that humility. It is possible for us to lose that humility and begin to rule uh, life as we, we want. Uh, Michael Wilkins, the commentary that, that I was reading is, he said, Matthew teaches us that Jesus' arrival in history to initiate the salvation of his people from their sins surely requires that we give ourselves to him. Do you understand what it is to give yourself to Jesus? To, to receive him? Uh, to accept it and say, hey, I believe in Jesus, to follow after him. It, 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 it's not just, okay, let's get baptized and that's it. it, it is, that, that's just a, a, part of, a, a part of place in what we're called to do through the scriptures is the baptism part. That is accepting Jesus' death as our own. But what we're called to do is to follow after Jesus. And I believe the scripture is very clear. It says, Humble yourselves and follow after me. Isn't that, isn't that what it's called to do? You know, especially this time of year as we're thinking about Jesus, we need to remember that what we are doing is humbly following our Savior, our, our, our Savior Jesus. He's the king, and I'm not. Have you ever said that? He's the king. He's the rightful king, not not. Not just thinking out here, but he's the king here. Leading, guiding, directing my life, which, which leads to that point number three. To ac- accept Jesus also means change. How many love that word change? Uh, a lot of times, oh, we know change is necessary, but sometimes change is difficult. Are you with me? Change is difficult. Uh, sometimes moving's difficult, or, or or adding someone new to your family, or or you know, th- there's several reasons that you know going to a new school is difficult, or uh, so many things where change comes, where you're used to things, routines, and change comes along. Sometimes it's not so welcomed. When Jesus rules our lives, you could you, you know that change is coming. Change is coming because. It's his will and not my will to be done. Isn't that right? Isn't that the way it is? Uh, Jesus taught us to pray, hey, thy will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
when I pray that, more and more I pray that, I think about, oh, you're talking about my life. It's really talking about where I'm going, what I'm doing. How are we doing in that? How are we doing with the change that's happening? There, there, there must be change. I mean, that's what we call the fruit of what Jesus is doing in our life. There is fruit when we're following after Jesus. I, I mean, you know, what, what is happening? What, what's taking place in your, your life every day that reflects that he is king over your life? You know, is it seen in the conversations you're holding? Can it be recognized that Jesus is your Lord because of the conversations that you have with others? How about uh, with how you treat one another? Is it evident that you uh, are, are honoring Jesus as king in the way, hey, husbands, the way you're treating your ladies? Is it, is it reflected in the fact that you love Jesus? And ladies, how, you, how you're responding to your husbands, is it reflected in the fact that you love Jesus and he's Lord over your life? How you're raising your children is it reflected in, in, in the fact that you love Jesus. How you're directing them, giving them direction. How you treat each other is it all about Jesus. How about your finances? Would there be evidence that, that, that you have a commitment to kingdom, to his kingdom and following after Jesus through your finances? Uh, through what you do in every day, how you entertain yourselves. Is, is there parts in there that's very clear that it is because I love and follow Jesus? You see, that's our lives. You know, I, I think this is a great time to approach this. You know, here we're coming to a time that the world around us is celebrating Christmas. And I know that there's several others who are identifying it through different means. Man, it's all about Santa Claus. It's all about... Uh, uh, solstice, uh, you know, winter solstice, whatever that is, uh, and, and, and misdirected. There's so many different ways to look at, at celebrating this, but for us, it is absolutely about Jesus. It's absolutely about God's wonderful and precious gift of Jesus who came into this world. It's our opportunity to show the world of what we celebrate, who we celebrate, and it's Jesus. Therefore, we need to ask ourselves, you know, are we humble before him? Are we, are, are, are we living a life that reflects our commitment to the king? As the holiday approaches, take time before God to humble yourself before the rule of the true king, Jesus Christ. The world around us, there's a lot of Herods in this world, isn't there? A lot of those that have quickly made the decision to reject Jesus. I, I don't think that decision is done yet. They have opportunity to turn that decision around and receive Christ. So we have a great responsibility to celebrate the one who came and, and has become our salvation. Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pursue him. Humble yourselves and live for his behalf throughout this season. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for uh, just the direction that you give us in every day. We praise you for your word. For every individual, Lord, it's not all about people who, who loved you and, and pursued you. There are those written in your scriptures 
that have clearly rejected and gone their own direction. Father, I pray for this congregation. And, and we pray, Lord, that you examine our hearts. Father, there are some things required when we meet such a, a wonderful Savior in Jesus. That the first, there's that realization of our place. That place of sinfulness and, and corruption living and working in us. Father, that's the place where we learn to worship you and celebrate you because you provided such a great and wonderful gift through Christ. We praise you for the righteousness that we can now live because he has paid our penalty for sin. May that be our place of worship. May that be our place of celebration throughout the next few weeks actually, throughout the rest of our lives. But as the focus of this Christmas season goes on, may we not neglect this opportunity to worship and, and to uh, celebrate you in every day. God, we praise you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.